Hello, and welcome back to episode four of Juror Number One. So, what'd you think of uh, last week? Crazy, right? Then again, that is Florida. Weird shit happens in Florida. But crazy that maybe there's a murderer still on the loose out there. A lot of evidence points to that man doing it, but the jury said he was innocent. So, what can you do? This week is another strange, strange case. A lot of evidence for you to decide, innocent or guilty. So, let's get started on this one. This is episode four, A Murder in Colorado. Well, this story starts out in June of 1994, when an apartment building, the neighbor downstairs has a leak through its roof. So, when they go to check on where the leak is coming from, they go into the apartment above and they find a woman dead in the bathtub. She'd been beaten, she was naked from the waist down, and she'd been raped and strangled with a dog leash. A very, very gruesome sight. So, the investigation starts with asking some neighbors um, if they'd seen anybody coming in or out. And they came back to one man that um, some of her friends had said that she was scared of. So, yeah, they talked to several of her friends. And recently, there'd been a man that she told her friends that she was a little bit scared of and worried about, but did nothing about it. So the police go to find this man. Well, he was hiding from the police. They tried and tried to track him down, but to no avail, they couldn't find him. When they did finally find him, he gave them a fake name. So that obviously raises some suspicion. But the investigation starts and they have enough evidence to arrest this man and charge him with the rape and murder of this woman. So this is where the trial begins. A short two years later, the trial kicks off and the prosecution is laying out their evidence. Well, some of the evidence they found is quite damning for this man. They found a shirt that was covered in blood. That's not a lot of people, I don't think, I know that I don't. A lot of people don't have shirts covered in blood in their house. But that's just me, I guess. So they found his shirt, and this was 96, so there was some DNA testing that they could do. And when they tested it, the prosecution says that they found a mix of the victim and the defendant's blood on this shirt. Oof. Well, that's, uh, that's pretty damning, you would think. I mean, unless you're O.J. Simpson. But uh, if you have a dead person's blood and your blood on a shirt, 
that's, uh, that's, that's hard to get around uh, as a defense attorney. But they tested it as well, and they said that only the mix of the blood, they really couldn't tell for sure if it was the mix of both of them. They could say they could say that it was his blood, her blood, and 45% of the entire world population could also match it. So it wasn't that strong of evidence. At least that's what the defense thought. So they go on with the trial, and now the prosecution's gonna bring up the fact of how suspicious this man acted. When the police went to find him, like I said, he hid from the police. When they finally did find him, he lied about his name. Why would an innocent person hide from police and lie to police? That seems like something that a guilty person would do, right? So, they also bring up the fact that her friends said that she was worried about this one man. Whenever you're looking for a suspect and the friends, several of them say that she was terrified of this man, that recently he'd moved in with some of her family. And she said multiple times that this man's just a little strange and I don't trust being around him. So as a juror, you're hearing this from a DA that's saying, we have a shirt with his blood and the victim's blood on the same shirt of his, found in his house. We also have several of this victim's friends that recently said that she was terrified of him. Whenever we went to go find this man, he hid. He told us a fake name when we did find him. How could you find this verdict anything but guilty? Well, that's for you to decide. So now the defense starts up. And they have something to prove every single one of these things wrong. That is reasonable doubt. So, when the defense starts cross-examining, they bring up the fact that this DNA that they have, that they're basing their whole case off of, can't be trusted. Yeah, there could be a mix of his blood, and there could be some of the victim's blood, but could also be 45% of the world population. That, what is that? How many, a few billion people? That should be exactly what reasonable doubt is. There's a one in so many billion chance that this is actually their blood together. Well, what would you think? The district attorney is telling you that for sure this is a mix of their blood. But there's that reasonable, oh, that reasonable doubt. 
Then they go on to say that, yeah, her friend said that she was scared of him. That can't possibly be true. He's living with her family. You would think that she would tell her family, hey, I'm scared of this guy, but still let him live with them? That's crazy. Why wouldn't she tell her family, if she was truly scared of this man, she would tell her family that, hey, get this guy out of your goddamn house. He's terrifying. But he still lived there up until his arrest. So if she, how could she really be that scared of him? Okay, another reasonable doubt, you would think. And then they go on to some other evidence that the prosecution really doesn't want to talk about. See, whenever they examined the body in the crime scene, they found semen and they found DNA under the victim's fingernails. Well, when that was tested, the DNA didn't match. What? Yeah, what? The DNA did not match the defendant. The semen or but was under her fingernails. So what are we doing here? Why is this trial even happening? Well, for other reasons, I suppose. See, the prosecution says, well, that DNA, well, yeah, we brought it up, but that just means that there was someone else there. What? Someone else there? Why is this just coming up? And where the hell is this other person at? Why is this man on trial? Because the DNA found at the scene is not his. The person that raped and killed this poor woman is nowhere to be found, except for they're saying the man that's sitting here in this courtroom is the one that did it. You cannot find this man guilty of this crime because... It's not his DNA. We get the bloody shirt, but again, I mean, that's could be a billion, literally a billion other people. So, well, let's move on. Then they go to why he acted so suspicious. Well, sometimes his friend had just been murdered. You would think that he would want to help, but he was scared. He knows that he'd been in that apartment and he'd heard cases like this before where a friend gets wrongfully convicted. Of course he was scared. I mean, me personally, I would do everything I could to help a friend that had just been murdered, but I'm not this man. So he said he didn't want to... He was scared. He was scared. He didn't want to come forward because he really had no idea what had happened to her. So, he hid. He told him a fake name because he didn't want to be associated with this murder. So, again, it is suspicious, but put yourself in that situation. What would you do? Me, of course, I wouldn't do anything like this guy did, but 
you know, who knows? So, with that, wouldn't that give you enough doubt to find this man innocent? That would be up to you, my friends. So, the closing arguments. The prosecution lays out exactly what I've just told you. We have a man who the victim had recently told her friends that she was scared of. We have a shirt found at his house with a mixture of blood of the victims and the defendants. We have his suspicious activity leading up to his arrest. Who else could have done it? That's for you to decide. And the defense comes out and says, look at this. You, and I'm talking to you who's listening right now, you have to decide if you're going to send this man to jail for the rest of his life over what? Some DNA evidence that could be a billion people? The DNA doesn't match the semen or what's under the fingernails. If she was scared of him, why is he still living with her family? And they're saying that someone else was there. Well, why the hell isn't that person in this room? Because you couldn't find him. So this is your decision. What would you find this man? Innocent? Possibly letting a man walk that raped and murdered a poor 19-year-old woman? Or will you send a man for the rest of his one life that he has into a maximum security prison? That's your choice. So, We'll find out tomorrow what actually happened and just may shock you. So again, thanks so much for listening. This is episode four, part one of Juror Number One. Do me a favor and have a wonderful day.